Hello and welcome to Secrets I'll Never Tell with me, Benedict Cork. This week's episode is with two incredible talents, Emanike and Leo Kalyan. Emanike is a Grammy-nominated recording artist, songwriter and producer who signed his first publishing deal at 14 years old and has then gone on to write songs for some of the biggest names in pop, like Madonna, Beyonce, Stormzy, Little Mix and Zara Larsson, as well as releasing his own debut album, Language, in 2018. Leo is also an incredible artist, songwriter and producer, whose EPs Outside In and The Edge explore his identity and his place in the world as a gay Muslim musician. Leo also co-wrote Head and Heart with Emanike, which was number one for six weeks last year and went on to become the song of the summer. We had a pretty open conversation about how the pandemic has affected their work, being a queer musician in 2021 and lots more. Leo and Uzo are two of the very first queer people I met when I moved to London and really opened my eyes to so many things in this city. So I was really grateful to them for sitting down with me on a Sunday afternoon to have this chat. I really hope you enjoy this one. This is Secrets I'll Never Tell with Emanike and Leo Kalyan. Hello. Hey. Hey, How babe. How you doing? Pretty good, thank you. How is this? Can you can you hear me? So, so by the way, do we need to be on separate things? I mean, these are here together. All right. So, first question: um, How has the past year been for you both? Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Go on. I know. Uh, this year has been. I tell you what. This year, from a professional point of view, has been really interesting because. I think I've been able to make the most out of, I guess, my natural homebody sense in that I've been able to be really creative from the comfort of my own home. Um, but then also, you know, these things have had success and I've been happy to have songs do well with Amy, who you know, and yeah. also Leo and just continuing to make songs with my friends. Um but then, of course, like, pers- like the pandemic happened and, like, that did a-, a doozy on certain people's mental health. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't incredible in that sense, but we're here to tell the tale. <laughs> we're here to see <laughs> you. You know what I mean? So I'm, yeah. how bad was it actually for us? Leaving yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that we're quite lucky in the sense that we've had each other's support and... You know, of course, it's been a crazy year. Um, some some real high points professionally. Um, lots of up and down in terms of mental health because you know we've we've just been not been able to see people, not been able to interact. And from my perspective as well, like um, yeah, it's been really fun to work with friends and stuff. But after a year and a half of being able to only do that, you start to feel limited, and you kind of want that kind of variety and Mm -hmm. and just be able to like take yourself out of working in the same physical space all the time and you know you just get stuck in certain patterns and and it's and life is about keeping things well you know keeping a healthy creative practice is about variety for me at least and I have not had much neither has anybody else so um I guess that's only that's that's the upside to know that everybody's in the same boat um, yeah, and just a bit of like stimulation as well. You're right, just kind of get, being able to get outside and like see different people and work with different people. I found that yeah. the the most uh, isolating part of it. Like I've yeah. 
I've not really, I kind of liked Zoom sessions and I've, I've liked being home a little bit more than usual in some sense, but I really miss just being in a room with loads of people and just jamming and making music like that. And it's been really weird on that. But also with you guys, like obviously it's been tough and isolating, but you also happen to have like the song of the summer last year together, which is incredible. <laughs> um, and like, so the highs and lows must have been even even more crazy for you both. Yeah, I think the, the highs and lows, I mean, look, we both dealt with the, the pandemic in different ways you know and mm. i think that the uh the success of head and heart was something that was great i was happy to be for us to share it together and celebrate together and you know a muted way because of the pandemic there was no shoves or like freaking like party or anything but it would have been nice but we still have something that's great and that's you know beyond all of that um and I think there was a point where everything opened up a bit more and I was able to have some sessions and uh, meet people in person, which I had missed. But I mean, I'm like you, I actually found a lot of joy during the Zoom sessions. And uh, sometimes it's actually a good way of being able to cut the bullshit because yeah. so much of some, some of these sessions that you do where you're meeting people and it's awkward and it's like there's always some... Uh, uh what's the word small talk and like filling in some gaps and when you're on a zoom session there's this slight anxiety because you're like i'm on a zoom session i don't know you let's just make a song and yeah. something happens out of it i mean i that's what i found with the zoom thing uh but... you can also just kind of like cut it quickly like if it's really not going well like i've had a couple where it's been like first meets and you just clearly don't get on. And after like two hours or even shorter, you can just be like, do you know what? Like, this is fine. We haven't spent loads of money leaving our house, buying lunch, like, like <laughs> blocking out the whole day. You can just be like, all right, see you later. Oh, my, my Wi-Fi is like not working. <laughs> yeah, literally. The Wi-Fi yeah. trick really helped us in the last house. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was real. Um, that was real. That was real. <laughs> we could get out of a few sessions of the bad Wi-Fi. The bad Wi-Fi was actually a reality. We didn't have to pretend... <laughs> okay, you're just saying that for like, so people know that you weren't lying. Yeah, look, <laughs> if anyone listening to this, you only had a session with us in the past 12 months, know this. <laughs> Our Wi-Fi was a hustle. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because you've moved house in the last few months as well, haven't you? We have moved house. Congratulations. Thank you very, very much. You know, it must have been really nice to have that to kind of put some energy into as well. That's been good. It's been nice to have a change of scene, I guess, like... I mean, how long into the pandemic? It almost a, almost a year into the pandemic, we moved house, and that was a whole that was a whole challenge in itself. Moving house with the anxiety of the pandemic and all that stuff, and oh, yeah. you know, coming into a new space and then doing up that new space, and like we're still in the process yeah. of like building stuff, making this place. Like I'm working on my studio in the garden and stuff, and amazing. I think you know we all work together on the house, and I think because. Literally, the beginning of the work on the house coincided with the first week of the pandemic. So <laughs> it was like, we throughout the roller coaster of this year, you know, Leo and um, his boyfriend and myself and a friend of Leo's who has actually been project managing and designing the place, you know, it all gave us something to look forward to by the end of this crazy year, <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I've literally spent my entire time just like growing plants. Like I started with about five and I think I've ended up with about 55. And honestly, it's just have something to put my energy into and think about that's not the pandemic or music has been like a bit of a saving grace. So I imagine like decorating walls and like picking colours and stuff is actually really, really a nice little break. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I became really obsessive about it and I was just like, ordering things all the time and color schemes and patterns and cushion covers and stuff but i really get off on that i really enjoy (laughs) making my home space beautiful and comfortable because for me like the nicer that is i feel like the more creative i can be in it Mm. um so yeah it's Mm. been nice it's been a nice distraction nice nice um so this podcast is basically all about like vulnerability and I'm chatting to loads of people that I love and respect and admire about um, like stories in their lives and things. And um, I'm quite interested to know about writing for you both because obviously you both write for yourselves as well as other people. And I was wondering how important you think it is to be vulnerable in your work as well as, uh, well, when you're writing for yourself and also for other people and how that changes between the two. Well, I think, uh, you know, I guess because the lion's share of what I do uh, in particular is writing for the artists and writing for female artists. And uh, I guess it's a lot of the time, it is just a bop, you know what I mean? It's nothing that deep. Uh, And you're just making a song that's ready for the clubs or ready for a a live show or that's more presenting. But uh, there's been like many times where I've been working with people and it's beautiful to be able to help tell their stories. I mean, even with Leo, all the years I've worked with Leo on his stuff or on other people's stuff, it's like we're helping tell these stories that, it, whether it be through me singing away some melody, that's a part of telling that story. Um, mm. I know that uh, actually, like, one of the breakthroughs of me and, for instance, like, me, I've, I've been working a lot with Mabel on her new album, and uh, one of the breakthroughs of our working relationship was uh, working on this song on her album called OK Brackets Anxiety Anthem. Yeah. Which is what also Leo had helped co-produce on. And, you know, we'd worked together at various times, but I feel like that song was a song where she was, she was just like, I'm not okay today, actually. I'm actually feeling really sad and really down. And... I feel like that wall was uh, allowed for us to make uh, a beautiful song that was very true to how she was feeling. And it's that it's allowing that vulnerability to be there, um, which I like helping artists access, you know, and, and experience does like a wonder to get that out there. Yeah, you're really good at that, I think, because, you know, you started your career as a writer producer and you started your career like doing that from a very early age being in the studio with other artists, helping to helping to help them be more vulnerable and to tell their story. And for me, it was the other way around because I, I started working in music as an artist, right. trying to tell my own story. And then I, I, that led me into writing for other people as well. And that became a kind of, a, that has become like a kind of a fun role play that I get to do. Like, I love I love writing for other people now and I love writing songs which aren't for me because it allows me to like 
be somebody else for a minute and sort of do like drag in a way <laughs> you know you kind of like you put yourself in someone else's head in someone else's shoes and yeah. you know one of the nice things about like doing sessions in real life actually is when someone comes and sits in front of you and for the first hour or so you sit there and have a cup of tea and talk about what they're going through and what's up with their love life and have like a whole sort of like therapy session heart to heart and from that conversation emerges a song um and yeah, like it's, it's really fun to do. I mean, I love, I've, it's been a slow journey of becoming more and more vulnerable in my own music, but equally it's really nice to get out of my own head sometimes. And I think both Uzo and I have come from different angles doing that. Uzo started off that way and I've become, my, my, my journey through music has led me there. But now we do both and mm. it's nice, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I really, I really, that's one thing I really miss at the moment is that first hour of a session where you just kind of pour your heart out. And sometimes it's pouring your heart out to a complete yeah. stranger, which in some ways is almost easier yeah. because it's almost like a therapy yeah, yeah, session yeah. or something. Like they have no judgment and they can just kind of listen to what you're saying and take the little golden moments that are going to turn to the song. But actually, it's really, really, it's kind of, kind of a little beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And that is something that's really been missed over the last year um but also would you so would you say when you're writing stuff with yourselves in mind you put more of yourself in that but when you're writing with other people you're like i need to actually bring it out of the other person as opposed to kind of put your own sort of stories into the music i would say so i would say so why are you laughing with i think i find it funny because whenever i think about it as far as like like whenever i'm trying to be vulnerable for my own stuff I think I always have a hard time because I think I always go about vulnerability with a nervous laugh. <laughs> it's like, it's never just like, okay, I'm here now. It's more so like, mm-hmm, I'm here, this is awkward, but we're here, like, we're going through this. And I think maybe that vulnerability has prohibited me from, like, writing stuff, like, solo stuff for me these days because I think it's like, oh, you, you have to face how you're feeling or you have to, like... uh figure it out like figure out what you want to have to say whereas i have no problem being someone else's therapist and like talking with them about mm. their issues and helping them get through their mess whereas i don't i'm like <laughs> i don't have to get into like it's, my own thing all the time it's interesting you say that because then because i was listening back to language this week which i absolutely love and it feels like there's so much of you in that but also especially in the way you were like presenting yourself and in the visuals and the videos and everything like it felt like that was completely authentically you but maybe are you talking more from like a lyrical point or um, okay so this is the thing so i remember like one of the most vulnerable songs on that album i remember myself in that session and it was and it's touched by you this is the last track on the album and i remember just Mm. wincing as i was writing because it was like it was about my my first boyfriend. And it was like, every lyric just was like, mm, I don't want to have to say this. It's, just like, it's too real. Sometimes it's too real. And yeah. sometimes when you when you want to be a pop star, you know, you talk about real shit, but you want to be in a fantasy. You don't want to have to relive trauma all the time. Like, I don't know if that's what life's about. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I find that the songs that touch people the most are the ones where you are painfully vulnerable. And I certainly identify with what you just said about, like, you know, writing a song and even, like, rec- recording it and listening back to it and, like, wincing at those like, those certain lyrics which are too real. And you're just like, oh, God. Because you just feel like, oh, God, everyone can see 
see me like skin really, out yeah literally <laughs> your skin out your skin out and that that's a scary feeling vulnerability is a scary thing um for me personally i'm a capricorn i'm not really good with vulnerability and it's certainly been a journey for me to like allow myself to be more vulnerable um and put my 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 real feelings out there um it it's hard it's hard for anybody so that's it's interesting hearing you say that as well because like Again, I was listening back to like Outside In and The Edge or EPs, and you're so vulnerable on those EPs, like especially lyrics. Well, those ones actually—that's um, what I mean when I say I was building towards something. Those, those are probably me at my most vulnerable, like laying everything out there. And yeah, like it, I, 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 it's—I guess what I'm saying is it's not something that just happened overnight or something that I was just doing without thinking. I had to build myself up to that level of putting myself out there and it still makes me wince it's, yeah. it's hard and it's wow. inspiring like to, when you come across like people who are able to access their feelings so easily yeah and it's like there's people like like becky for instance like when i whenever i've seen a song that she's written or worked with her it's about her life like that song is not just any tune it's all autobiographical yeah. it's all she can't write a song without it being autobiographical. And I'm just like, wow, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting you saying that as well. And, and hearing the flip side of that with you saying like, also, I guess pop music doesn't have to be that as well. And, and it's beautiful when it is, but like sometimes people do just want to have a good time and yeah, just have a I dance mean, and stuff. And actually, if you're singing those songs live every night on stage as well, it's like reliving those moments over and over and over it's again um, and I guess that's kind of the flip side of the it's song heavy the and like music is so you know I guess like maybe I see it from my point of view just that music is, has saved my life I will always stand by and I don't know what I would have done without it so I really see it as an escape and I see it as a as a time to tune out from whatever it is that I focus on otherwise uh but then at the same time, it's also been therapeutic and getting me through hard times. And you, uh, for instance, when you go through a breakup or something like that, and it's like, you're not even writing a breakup song, but you'll go back to songs you've written before and then they suddenly mean so much and they suddenly have new meaning. So uh, songs are weird, man. Music is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the way to get over something is literally just like go out and have a dance and like try and forget about it. And that is actually therapy. Yeah, I, I well, think so. writing, writing a song is, is quite, it's like an exorcism in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's the only way to deal with something which is really bugging you is to write a song about it because I guess in the process of writing about it, you literally analyse it from every single angle because you're writing a song about it and trying to distill the feeling into these little short lines which rhyme with each other. Mm. So in that process, you yeah. literally go so deep into the experience of that, whatever the song is about. And then it has to be catchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and fit in three minutes. So yeah. I guess by the time you're finished with that experience of writing the song, you are done with that oh. trauma, whatever the hell it was, or whatever the hell you were trying to write about. You are over it because... You've, yeah. you've just gone gone plumbed right down to the depths of it. So it's interesting. And then sometimes those songs don't even need to come out. Like once you've written it, it's kind of like yeah. you've dealt with it. And whether it whether it sees a light of day or not, it's it's not actually not the important thing. Sometimes it's just the writing of it that kind of gets yeah. it out. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so I've got a bit of a deep question for you. Um, you've both had quite a long history of like supporting LGBTQ artists and you've had songwriting camps for artists in recent years and stuff. Um, I was wondering how much you think the situation is improving for queer artists at the moment and whether it's enough. Oh, God. It's never enough. It's never enough because it's never really that important to the people who are... <laughs> it's, this is such a difficult one. Like, how, how long is a piece of string? How do you measure when it's enough? I think that it's enough when there's equal representation of all different kinds of queer people. Do we have that in music at the moment? No. Um, yeah, because there's lots of queer artists, but generally, generally, not not exclusively, but mostly they're, they're, they're white. And mm -hmm. I think that it's okay to be a minority if you're just one minority, but if you happen to fall into two two boxes for example if you're queer and black or queer and brown um that there isn't much space for that i think that's almost a step too far for 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 the music industry's brain to comprehend it seems at the mm. moment um and that's that's kind of annoying but you know you just have to keep pushing and creating space for yourself nobody else is going to do it for you yeah i i think i i do think that's the case i mean I think that really that shift is only going to happen. Like the, the moment that things like what, you know, what Leo's doing, what Lil Nas X is doing, even what like someone like a Sam or Ollie or myself, what, like what the second that none of that stuff seems like controversial or like, ooh, what is gay? Like it's, it doesn't have to be this whole big deal because this, there's loads of people like this. Because it's true. Like, mm. when we watch this stuff, we're like, exactly, because that's their truth. Yeah. And those are people that we know, and those are people that we see and understand where the origins of this are from, why they are the, the way they are. But mm. the mass isn't us, you know what I mean? No. And so the mass are always going to have to learn, you know what I mean? They're always going to have to be in school about all of this stuff that we go through, the stuff that we do to set ourselves free. Uh... And that's why what little Nas X is doing is, sure. is so powerful. But the thing is, we see that, and I didn't think twice about it. I was just cheering. I was like, "Wow, this Thanks. is this is this is fucking incredible. This mm. is so amazing. This is everything that I wanted to see." But then to go on Instagram or um, Twitter and see all the comments about it and all the things that people are saying and how uncomfortable it clearly makes so many other people. Um, yeah. who aren't queer people of colour, like how uncomfortable it makes people, that that then shows you what the reality of the situation is. I think this is amazing, but clearly there's lots of people who think it's, it's you know, I don't even need to start going into uh, what people are saying yeah. in the comments. You can see it on Twitter. And there's a privilege, you know what I mean? Because I think Lil Nas, he went in like with that intention. And I can agree that I also went in with that intention. And I don't think that's something that, white queer artists always have to think about they all didn't mm. always have to think when they're just expressing themselves they always have to push um an entire community with them yeah you know i think that and and that's when that happens when that happens where 
uh, black queer artists can just exist and literally be promoting themselves and being themselves and not have to carry the entire community with them. You know what I mean? That's really going to be the victory. Yeah. Yeah, because it feels... I mean, we're talking, what, two, three days after... Uh, the Call Me By Your Name video went to number one and it's obviously incredible and this and it feels like this huge moment but then it sort of feels like a moment and then and then it, uh, the, the backlash has been so severe that I wonder if it will if it will be allowed to happen again for a few years and it's so frustrating because like you said I watched that video um, and was just like this is incredible what a beautiful piece of uh, art and stuff and as soon as you scroll down into the comment section it's just saying you know it's like blasphemy and it's this and that and this and that and it's like that. If, if you're really if you feel that strongly about it just don't watch it. Like, it's that easy. But to then put all the pressure on Lil Nas X to then have to carry an entire community as well after that because of this huge moment, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of pressure. And I also think that everyone just needs to, like, relax because my favourite thing about the Lil Nas X thing is that when you watch it, you're seeing a 20, 21, 22-year-old black gay man not take this shit so seriously. Mm. Like, it's just not... It doesn't always have to be this massive plight to get the message across. Like, he's laughing with everyone, and it's not this thing of him... I, I, that's, I think that's what the thing I feel about is that when, once everyone relaxes and takes all these things with a pinch of salt and just be like, this is what you're doing and I'm taking it for what it is and not trying to decipher it into like this Illuminati, deeper, like... They, they just... The type of shit that everyone has been coming up with is just so over the top. And this kid has just been giving loads of money to make this music video and it's just not even that deep. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, like actually maybe they weren't thinking when they were making it that it had to be this huge conversation. Maybe they were just thinking, let's just make a great no, video that's going to be beautiful and really Nas, fun. I think Nona's definitely had to think about it because it's true. Like, before he put out the video, he was like, everyone's going to hate this. Everyone's going to have something to say about this, but you need to know that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Well, I think yeah. it's interesting that he, you know, so before he made this video, there was a lot of, I used to see a lot of this on Twitter where, to the point that Little Nas X himself like retweeted some of it, um, some of it saying I'm actually gay. Where people would say, "Oh, you know, Little Nas, I don't like gay people, but like Little Nas X is fine because he's not one of those kinds of gay people." Like there was lots of comments mm -hmm. like that because Little Nas X mm -hmm. doesn't look necessarily stereotypically gay or whatever that means. Yeah, but, he's just cis. Um, you know, you know he's just... he, yeah, he's just he's not he's not hugely femme. He doesn't talk in a feminine way. He doesn't act gay, for want of a better for want of a better word. But um, yeah, so this he even said that he on 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 Twitter and on Instagram he was like, you know what, I decided to do this because I am gay. I'm gay as fuck, and here it is. And all of a sudden, all those people are like, oh shit, okay, you are one of those you went from old town road to this how did you get there like <laughs> almost like they've been fooled oh my goodness like, it's like babe he this was wasn't already for this. you yeah this wasn't even yeah. about you <laughs> yeah. like you guys need to yeah. calm down a lot because you're a bit loud yeah <laughs> it sucks it really does suck and yeah i don't know it's it's weird it's a weird thing yeah. i also I, I was reading some articles and stuff that you guys had given a few um years ago and there was one that I loved, um, Uzo, that you said, it was, I think it was Interview with Days, where um, the interviewer asked you whether you'd ever had to like reduce parts of yourself to fit into parts of the industry. And you basically just responded like, fuck no. 
Um, and I love that because you never, you never ever should have to. But what advice would you give to other people, like young artists stepping into the industry when they're faced with these kind of issues and these kind of people reacting these ways? Uh, well, I think you just have to really control or just be aware of your environment. I think an awareness. It's not like, you know, I think that maybe I wasn't, it wasn't that I was ignorant to what was around me or uh, not aware. I think that maybe when I was with my team, you know, my before my team was a very white team, you know, and like this was... The, me trying to discuss anything race-related, sexuality-related, like, it was kind of like, I'll talk to them, but I don't know if they, they wouldn't get it, you know what I mean? They were never, ever going to get it to a full extent, right? Because mm. it's just not their truth. Um, so I really had to be my own cheerleader and really have to convince myself that what I'm doing is completely right and and all of that. Um but I think that environment is so important. And when you're amongst people, um, professionally, personally, all of that comes into play, who understand what you're doing, are willing to help you, willing to give advice, willing to not shoot it down, but if anything, help it be better and all of those things. I think those are key elements. I wouldn't be anywhere I am in the industry without collaboration of thought or you know any of those kind of things. Mm. Um, and yeah I mean I think that you just have to find it in yourself to like, like we all have to eventually it takes a bit of time I think mean, when I I don't even know when that day's interview was <laughs> when, when, <laughs> I think it was, was maybe that? two years yeah, when ago when did she say that ago? I'm scared <laughs> when was that I mean, I paraphrase. You didn't say fuck no. You basically said it in a more eloquent way. But yeah, I think it was about two, three years ago. They just asked you if you had to... I'm, actually, I'm also kind of interested in you both, if, whether you feel like you have to reduce parts of your personality image in just everyday life, like walking down the street in East London or, you know, even like dressing down. If you go into a room with another artist and you're writing for them for the day, whether you have to feel like you have to reduce yourself so that they feel like, you know, the pop star in the room or whatever. Like, do you ever feel like that? I mean, do you want to know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> um, the short answer to that is yes, all the time, every day, 24 7, every single moment of my life. I have, yeah. I have to minimize myself. I minimize myself all the time. I minimize myself to make other people comfortable every day of my life, all the time. And actually, the pandemic has been nice because I've not had to do that over the pandemic, actually. I, I haven't had to mm. do that over the pandemic because I've literally just been with Uzo, who's one of my best friends, and Josh, who is my boyfriend. And because of that, like, I've been able to just relax and literally let my hair down. And I mean that literally because my hair is, like, longer than it's ever been. Let it down, grow out. <laughs> you know? I cut mine, so I'm just bald-headed. <laughs> but, I mean, in, in daily life, yeah, like, you know, for example, I was going to go out to get some cash from the cash point the other evening, and I was just at home dressed the way that I'm dressed at home, and I was like, oh, I'm going to pop out to the cash point. And Josh was like, no. My boyfriend was like, no, don't go out because, you know, you, you know, because of the way that you're dressed right now, like, you never know. Any Something could happen or whatever. And I was just like, really? And I guess I wow. wasn't. I was like, really? I was like, what? <laughs> like, so you dress every day. <laughs> well, now this is, this is it. This is how I dress when I'm at home. And this is not to say that I was sat here wearing, like, 
bra and heels or anything. I was just dressed in like little shorts, a vest, and like I had, you know, jewelry on, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know because I look at myself in the mirror and I'm just like, um, the, 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 there's nothing controversial here to me. But obviously, mm. like, when you walk down the street and people look twice and all that kind of stuff, and you're, you're familiar with this too, so, like, you realise, oh, okay, cool, I do look a bit different. Or maybe I'm walking in a way which is different. I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Because how how aware can we be of our own behaviours at all times? But for, for me, the way that I am is normal because this is my normal. But clearly I'm perceived differently when I when I enter other spaces. And coming right back round to your question... Do you have to minimize yourself? Yes, I I find myself having to do that depending on who I'm with, whether it's a meeting, a music meeting, an industry thing, or whether it's like, you know, just socializing with people who are new, who, who, are, who aren't queer, straight people, or whether it's just popping out to the shops. Like, yes, absolutely. Mm. I was listening to an episode of... Um the homo sapiens podcast the other day i don't know if you ever listened to it but it's it's brilliant and there was a there were did, did like a sort of phone-in type episode when uh, people kind of send in their own um, ideas and stories and stuff and they were chatting to some trans people and, so, and one of them said you know the one silver lining in the past year has been able to dress up however they wanted at home um and not have to go out onto the street and have people staring and pointing fingers and stuff yeah. um yeah i mean if that's yeah if that's one silver lining at least that, that's one of them um all right, that's my last question. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for, be- thanks for being willing to um, chat about these things and sort of go deep as well. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really appreciative. Thank you so much thank for having you. us. Yeah, Not at all. Thanks for, thanks for giving me your Sunday afternoon. Um, well, yeah, hopefully we'll see you very soon. I miss you. Yeah. I really do. It's been so Yeah, nice. I really need a night out in East London when all this We need to get crunk. We're sending you so much love, Ben. Uh, <laughs> we're sending it right back to you. Yeah, let's hang on for the last few months and then, yeah, I can't wait to see you. Ah, aren't they two of the loveliest humans? Um, I will make sure to link to lots of the projects we were chatting about in the show notes so you can check them out there. Um, And if you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a little review or a rating and subscribe. It just really helps other people find us. And I'll catch you next week for the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. See you later.